Hello, everyone. Welcome to season two of the Turn by Turn podcast. We made it to season two. How awesome is that? I am here and joined with my co-host, and we have a couple little housekeeping things to go before we get to our main topic. Yeah, hi guys. Um, Alex here again. Um, only there, there's going to be a little change going forward. So um, my name isn't actually Alex, and so I wanted to talk a little about that and uh, why the change. So I'm a writer, and I'd really love to work in the gaming industry in the future. I'm super passionate about games, as you guys who listen to the show know. Um, and because I'm passionate, I have opinions, and I express those opinions on this show. Uh, employers of all types really like you being passionate um, about whatever job you're doing or whatever field you're in. But a lot of the times, employers don't so much like you having opinions related to those fields. So I decided the safest thing for me to do would be to use an alias for the show uh, until I kind of decided some things for my life. It took some time, but I decided that even if it closes some doors for me, I would prefer to work for someone that will hire me and still let me speak my mind. Um, I want to be able to say things for you guys like battle passes aren't fun and that maybe NBA 2K 2020 is an RPG. <laughs> it's a farce. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it, it was all just sort of related to this bigger question of, uh, how I wanted my presence online to be, um, and the ability to walk away from things that I've said. Um, but I decided that, uh, I think that it's a better way to be for me at least, um, to just be more upfront and be more forward and really embrace, uh, the things that I say and embrace that more. So uh, without further ado, my real name is Chris Harkey, and I'm so happy you're listening to the show. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore Harkey, and now on Substack at a little publication I recently started called Outland, where I write about all kinds of media, politicky things, and current events. Um, it's still an evolving thing, but I'm really proud of it, and just finished up a piece about Lebanon one year after their... Uh, their big explosion there. So I'm really proud of that. Um, I think you could have, if you were an astute listener, you could have put all this together anyway. Um, because I think Daniel and I have both alluded to me being on the shining pod, which is actually how we met. Um, and my voice really hasn't changed much since then. So it's not like it was ever done very well in the first place. Uh, but I really appreciate all of you respecting that. So Anyway, I would love to hear from all of you uh, on Twitter or anywhere else around the uh, internet that you find me. Um, so there's your real introduction to me. I'll be I'll be going by my real name, Chris, uh, from here forward. Um, but if you want to call me Alex still, because that's just what you're in the habit of and it's what you're used to, I totally understand, and that is totally fine. Um, so with that out of the way, Fire Emblem today. But as he alluded to, today we're talking Fire Emblem, more specifically Path of Radiance. Yes, which uh, for those of you keeping count at home is Fire Emblem 9. My Fire Emblem history, as everyone knows, because we talk Fire Emblem a lot on here, is I've like piecemealed my way through some of the games. And that's why we have talked about quite a few of them. And the fact that it's such a big RPG that it it just happens to come up a lot because it 
leads to comparisons a lot. Yeah, it's definitely become one of the most successful uh, of all time, I would say. I mean, it's uh, it's earning, I think, I'm sure somebody's going to fact check me on this, but um, I think in terms of earnings for Nintendo, it's now up there with Zelda and Mario. I feel like uh, our more frequent listeners are probably thinking, like, ah, a Fire Emblem episode? Almost like when they announce like new Smash characters that are Fire Emblem. And it's like, another one? Another guy with a sword? <laughs> so Maybe, but... I'm going to go on a limb and say, I understand that thinking a little bit, but Fire Emblem Path of Radiance is the best guy with a sword. It's true. He's a lot of fun to play with in Smash, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't even talking about him just in Smash. I just mean as a character. Um, Of all the characters they've added to Smash from uh, Fire Emblem, Ike is definitely my favorite, and Ike is the main character of Path of Radiance. Mm-hmm. So what's what was your introduction to this game? All right. So my introduction, um, this was actually the first Fire Emblem game I ever played. Um, I saw it in my local Blockbuster. I thought it was a fighting game because if you look at the back of the box, there's no um, art of the maps or overworld or anything like that. Um, the only uh, art or uh, game shots shown on the back are of the combat. So the combat, you know, is just two people squaring off um, on either side of the screen from each other, and they each have health bars. So, I mean, it does look like a fighting game. And uh, I think uh, the character Mordecai is on the back, and he's a beast man who turns into a tiger. So it's just like a soldier squaring off with a tiger. And I was like, ooh, that seems like an interesting game. And it reminded me of a, uh earlier fighting game I'd played called Bloody Roar um, that has fighters that can turn into animals. That was what initially got me interested in it. And then uh, I eventually, uh, my parents didn't let me play a lot of like T-rated games before I uh was old enough, but I think I convinced them to let me play Fire Emblem because it was Nintendo. And uh, so I bought it and I've left the Blockbuster sticker on my copy. Um, so it's still on the front cover. It says Blockbuster $9.99, which is <laughs> insane if you know what this game goes for today. Um, you were looking at it more recently than me, Daniel. How, how much were you seeing, kind of? So the best price that i saw for a copy that was like not guaranteed to work but with the highest chance of working was like 160 that is insane totally um, enormous. <laughs> and there have been talks about getting a uh, path of radiance and its sequel radiant dawn ported to switch uh really just for accessibility to not have these insane prices But yeah, so I finally took it home, popped it in my GameCube, and started playing. And it wasn't until about level two or three, uh, I remember um, it's the uh, port level, um, the first one, that when I got to that, I kind of realized what this was going to be. And I, I maybe experienced about a half a second of disappointment before I was like, oh, this is going to be like Shining Force. Okay, the, the, I'm still on board with this. And I just never looked back. 
So, Daniel, what was your uh, experience getting into this game? So, my experience getting into this game goes, oh, way back. Let's say about four months ago. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I had played, if you've listened to our top five RPGs episode, this is in Chris's top five. Yes, this is my, my number two, to be specific, and... Uh, to be even more specific, RPG is my favorite genre. So this is my number two. Um, if we're picking just one per franchise, usually, this is my number two favorite game of all time. Mm-hmm. So with that recommendation, I knew we'd want to do an episode on it at some point. So that requires one to play it. So I had played it based basically just off your recommendation. In real life, I don't have like a lot of friends that play RPGs. They're all more into like the the open world stuff right now. Mm-hmm, same. So, Chris is like the person I talk RPGs with. So, I played it. It took me a couple battles to get into it because, and I usually love like the retro video games, but I thought the the fight like attack scenes felt so like structured there was no like motion to it like you'd have like an arm like what the arm would swipe the sword in one direction and then that was your attack or like the axe would swing and that was like the entirety of the attack animation and it took me a little while to get used to that just because of i've recently played three houses which is really like kinetic with lots of move like smooth movements and things so like to go back to that like really basic animation was just kind of weird in my head yeah uh another really common criticism of path of radiance and how it's aged is just how long those scenes take yes that too Um, That and uh, along with that, that it doesn't offer you any information while you're looking at the attack animations. It doesn't tell you um, what every other Fire Emblem game tells you uh, during that, which is um, the amount of damage it's going to do, the amount of crit chance there is, and the amount of uh, accuracy, like percent chance to hit. All of those things are not on that screen. Particularly like Gatry and Brahms attacks. Oh, yeah. I could start their attack, go brush my teeth, come back, and like it would have just finished. And then I'd be able to go to the next character. Yeah, that is definitely an issue. Um, <laughs> for those of you who haven't played, Gatry and Brahm are the two like heavy knights. So especially if they're attacking first, they have to walk across the entire screen to stab with their spear, which they do very slowly. <laughs> They slowly back up, and if it if it's a double attack, like if they attack twice, oh man, you can watch like one of the Lord of the Rings movies in between. It. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's definitely got its flaws. But after like a couple battles, and I got used to it, I was totally fine. So spoilers for like a fifteen year old, fifteen plus year old game, just to jump right to it, didn't end remotely how I thought it would. Um, can I can I sum up the story real quick? Uh, just oh. give my little summary. I actually wrote that out before this. Oh yeah, even better. All right. So if you haven't played Path of Radiance, 
It is about a group called the Greal Mercenaries, which is a group of kind-hearted swords that fight brigands and thieves for coin. You play as Ike, the son of Greal, who, as he tries to live up to the reputation of his father. One day, the group finds an unconscious woman in the forest who'd been fleeing Dane, which is the invading country from the east. It turns out she is actually the princess of your home country of Crimea, and is therefore extremely important to the context of this whole invasion I mentioned just a second ago. The nation of Crimea is being overrun, and she seeks passage to Gallia to ask aid from the Lagoos, which are the beastmen who were formerly enslaved by the humans before settling in Gallia by themselves. The Griel mercenaries agree, and we're off to the races. So that's kind of my get-you-started plot. I thought it was very interesting, based on the games I've played so far, which are the two Game Boy games and three houses, I thought it was very interesting that the final battle takes place against the vi- the main villain, whose name is Ashnard. Yes. I thought it was very interesting that it was just a battle with him, and he didn't, like, evolve, devolve into a dragon. Because in every other game I've played, the main villain has morphed into like a beast of some sort, like an ancient sort of monster that's been like unleashed by this villain who can, can't control it. Yeah. Um, that is really different for the fire emblem series. And I really appreciated the final boss not being a dragon because they are all pretty much dragons. Like I kept like in that final battle, I kept waiting for it. I was like, well now it's going to happen. And then like I beat him and it was just over. (laughs) <laughs> well, you're half right. I, I will tell you, you are half right. Um, it depends on what difficulty you are playing on. Does it? That I didn't know. Yeah, so if you're on uh, a lower difficulty, like I think it's easy or normal, which actually I think is the I think Path of Radiance is one of the ones that um, it's like normal, hard, and expert are the actual difficulties. It might just be Radiant Dawn, its sequel. Um, I think, though, it was normal, hard, and expert. And then when they localized it, rather than translating it exactly as is, they said easy, medium, or what was it? Uh, Easy, normal, hard. And so people that are like, ah, you know, I'm a veteran. I'll, I'll play on hard. So they pick hard. They're actually playing on expert. And if you're like, ah, you know, I'm I'm no baby, I'll play on normal. You're playing on hard. <laughs> so it was a little bit of uh, some messed up stuff there. And like I said, I can't totally remember. It might be the sequel. I probably should have looked that up beforehand. But um, on lower difficulties, when you defeat Ashnard, at the end of the game, he's just defeated. But on hard mode, you know the uh, medallion that Ike's sister carries around that... Uh, if you touch it, it makes you go like insane and you get more power and stuff. Yep. The fire emblem. Yes. <laughs> um, so on hard after you defeat him, he gets really frustrated and he grabs the medallion with his bare hand. And this results in him getting a class change cutscene where he changes like colors, I guess, but it does show you a full class change cutscene, which I thought was interesting. Um, it's the only time that an enemy changes class, maybe in the whole series as well, that you have to watch. He goes insane, and you have one more fight with him. And uh, even his portrait changes and everything. 
Okay, so I think another thing that stands out about the plot is it does a really good job building you into the world. So you start as sort of a blank slate younger character who's like very, pretty sheltered as far as the grander world goes. And then throughout the course of the story, you travel that grander world and like you meet the different tribes along with other humans and how the other humans interact with the the lagoos, which I think works really well. So you meet the cat people, then you meet the bird people, and then the dragon people are mixed in. And I think it does a really good job introducing and building that world. Um, that's one of my favorite things about the game, too, is the, the sense of scale. Like I said earlier, Dane invades Crimea from the east. And the, the reason that I know that is because... Um, in moving around the world, the game does a really good job helping you keep track of exactly where everything is. And mm -hmm. that, I thought, was really, really important for the context of the story and all the invasions and things. Um, I did want to uh, say, too, though, I'll, I'll disagree a little bit, and I, it might just be how you phrased it, that Ike is a blank slate. Um, he is very, very sheltered, and he's very naive starting out in his adventure. But my favorite, th one of my favorite things about Ike uh, is that he, in my opinion, really is not a blank slate. Um, I, I prefer, the reason he's my favorite Fire Emblem protagonist is because uh, when I compare him to characters like uh, Byleth from Three Houses or Robin from Awakening or Corrin from Fates, um, I find a lot of the other protagonists to be exactly that blank slates they they don't really feel about things and part of it is to try and get you um because that's supposed to be you you are supposed to project how you feel onto the character and i think that that doesn't really work for me that that just doesn't do it for me because i would rather the character actually have thoughts and feelings about what's happening rather than just me do it and sometimes I agree with the character and sometimes I don't, but it always makes sense to how we got there. And so I really like that Ike has, um, even though they're naive thoughts and feelings, he has thoughts and feelings about all the things that he's going through. And um, sometimes that works out well for him and sometimes it doesn't. But I, I was glad to see that he has sort of a sense of agency and wanting to do things. I would agree with that. That was a bit more of what I meant. Just naive was probably a better way to phrase that. Um, so I'm really curious, what did you think about the uh, the Beast Tribes and stuff? Because that's also a thing unique to Path of Radiance, that you have um, less human characters, um, people with more animal attributes and things. I thought it was really well done. It, it does give off that Shining Force hint that the other Fire Emblem games don't really do, where you just have like an army of humans and the mm -hmm. ones that I've played. I don't won't speak to the ones I haven't played because that wouldn't even make sense. Yeah, that this that's unique to this though. The, okay. The rest of the Fire Emblem games are, um, they they usually will have a manakeet, which is like a dragon person, but other than like maybe one manakeet, um, usually it is just full armies of humans. So I I really enjoyed that like character variation that you wouldn't you don't normally have, and I thought the the animation style really worked for them. That like the cat people look kind of tough and rugged and the bird people are more graceful sort of 
And then you have like kind of the, the mystery of the dragon tribe in the so more southern region. Even though they don't really get touched on too, too much, there's a little bit in there, but it's yeah, it's delved into way more in the sequel. But they they hint at the sequel in, in a good way. Um, yeah, I think so, too. Uh, there's lots of things that set up for the sequel. Um, but I was going to say, too, that another thing I really like about the Beast Tribes, um, and obviously there's lots of... Uh, Racism is a very, very big part of the story. Um, the conflicts between humans and the beast people, the Lagoos. And uh, a really interesting thing I thought about that, too, was that there are different beast tribes and that you can't put... Um, I, I think that might have been kind of intentional, that you can't just put the Lagoos all in a box either. They're very, very different from each other. Um, you know, the beast people are really different from the birds and the birds are really different from the dragons and even the birds. Uh, um, the beasts have mostly unified, uh, which is good, but the birds definitely are still almost fighting their own turf wars because they're so different between the uh, hawk tribes and the crow tribes. And then as you go through s small spoilers, you learn that the, there was a heron tribe as well. And they've uh, really, really gotten the short end of the stick. I thought they did a good job of showing us that people are people and like the kind of person that you are is different than what you are. So like you have characters like Jill who are against the Lagoos and trying to serve her father. Mm -hmm. And she, she tags along with the group and we'll get more into characters in a bit, but it creates the different people act differently because they're people rather than just because they're different. Yes. So like you have, they all have reasons. Reasons and you have kind of zealots on on either side. Zealot might not quite be the right word, but the right word's escaping me right now. I don't know. Zealot might be a, a good a good uh a good word because you have people like um Jill and I would say her Lagoos counterpart is Leith, and both of them have just been raised to dislike each other because of the what race they each are and um it's not for no reason um there's like histories of war and strife and different things that their families have done to each other um and it's really hard to reconcile that and uh i like that in path of radiance they don't fully reconcile that they both get a little bit better um another one that i would throw in that category is uh shinon shinon is a very hateful guy. He's the uh, archer that you start with, um, with long red hair. And I loved his characterization because it was just so different from anything I'm used to. That This guy just says things that you, as the player, probably really disagree with. And it's again that it doesn't come from nowhere, but the the, the tension between... Um, him disliking like the Lagoos because he's fought against them so many times. And I think his family was really wronged by them. Um, the, the contrast between sort of this weathered veteran and Ike, who is super naive and is like, well, all people are good. We should just love them anyway. And it's like you can just see both perspectives and then sort of how Ike faces some of those same challenges that Shinon went through. And he comes through it on the other side, feeling very differently. 
um, and that a lot of his optimism is still intact, whereas Shannon is very jaded. Um, so I, I just really, really liked that the different character dynamics. Mm-hmm. And I think they, as far as like the character list, and this is shifting gears a little bit, they do a good job of giving you a nice mix of like royalty versus like commoners versus like royal knights. Yeah. Um, actually, though, in terms of royalty, um, outside of uh, Alencia at the end, I don't think you get any, maybe Rayson, um by default, since he's like the only one left. But um, I don't think you get many royals in this game, which is also a really big departure for Fire Emblem. Um, I, I think. Uh, oh, go ahead. I was more thinking like like Jeffrey, Lucia, and Bastion are mm-hmm. like nobility. Yeah, like they're they're, not, they're like they're not kings and queens, but they're like royal family associated. Yes. Versus like Tormod and Maurim were kind of more loners. Uh, I mean, I would say that they're like, uh, I don't even know what I'd call them, like rogues, like yeah, wild, wild men, you know, <laughs> from the hills. I, I I almost have the word I'm looking for. Uh, they're, they're sort of like the country bumpkins. <laughs> they just live out in the country by themselves, and that's, that's good enough for them. Um, I mean, they aren't totally wrong either. <laughs> I'm good to shift towards characters. Did you have some more plot stuff you wanted to go over? Um, I just wanted to point out another thing that is makes this game so different, um, like the the not having a dragon as the final boss, is Ike not being nobility. And there's no, like, twist where it's like, oh, but actually the whole time he was a prince. Like, no, he's actually just not nobility. And the true protagonist of Awakening is considered to be Krom, so I believe this is the only Fire Emblem game, uh, along with Radiant Dawn, its sequel, that the main character is not royalty. And I, I just love that as well, because I, I don't know. I think it's a lot more relatable to start you know, with a commoner that doesn't know that much than it is to immediately be dropped in. And um, I think it makes more sense for the way the game works, too. And this is not like something I'm going to criticize all the other um, Fire Emblems for, but it definitely feels like sometimes when you are dropped in as like uh, to to do another game we've had an episode on, like in Sacred Stones, when you play as Ephraim or Erica, um, it definitely feel, felt like to me sometimes that I should be making decisions, um, like political decisions, because technically I'm a prince or a princess and I should be ruling a nation. So I should really have a lot more say in what's going on and be making a lot more decisions than I am. But with Ike, it makes sense that I'm not making any of these decisions because he's just some guy. Um, But yeah, with that, I think we're good to transfer to the character list. So who would you say, and obviously there can be more or less and there will be more or less, but if you let's say you can only pick five, Oof. only five, who are you going with? Uh, okay, just in terms of characters, not necessarily in terms of uh, usability. Yes, purely your favorites, they don't have to be effective units, anything okay. just pure five characters that you love from this game all right um 
definitely Ike and Shannon. I, I love their their comparisons too much and how they kind of foil each other. Um, and then I got to add Zyhark. Zyhark is one of my favorite Fire Emblem characters ever um, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is purple is my favorite color. So he, his whole aesthetic just really works for me. <laughs> so my first three are real easy. After that, it gets a little bit harder. Um and that's not because I dislike everybody else. I, I really love every single character in this game. Um, why don't Why don't you pick a couple and then I'll I'll pick another one. Okay, so obviously my first is Ike. I will transition to Maurim. Mm, okay, the the green tiger. Yep, I feel he's just such an awesome character. Yeah, he is. Totally, totally awesome. Um, what What clicked with you about him? It just, it's true. Him and his relationship with Tormod always struck me as interesting just because they're kind of like we were talking about loners out in the desert. And then it felt like I got a nice little like jump to my roster going forward in battles with him in there because like he could like one hit a lot of people. So sometimes you get new characters and it feels like they add nothing unless Mm -hmm. you kind of really grind them up. It felt like I added him and like I saw immediately what he could add to my teams. Yeah, that's definitely uh, apparent. And he also comes with the Demi Band, I remember, that keeps him transformed. And so that's also a really big departure from what you've known up to that point. Yes, which I I found super handy. Although the fact that they wear them is kind of sad. (laughs) Like, I understand it, but it's kind of sad that they, they don't, he doesn't transform back very often unless you take that away from him. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I've got my my other ones, but you you can go ahead because you're just a two. Okay, so my last one is Nafini. Oh, that's only three, though. Oh, uh, my last of my three, sorry. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Interesting. (laughs) I I really like her, too. What did you like about her? So when I, one of our, I I think he listens, I hope he listens, Um, Matt from Twitter um is a big shining force fire emblem person too and we talk almost nonstop about it recommended that i try her and i did and i just i thought it was very cool to have like kind of like a country like bumpkin sort of character Mm -hmm. (laughs) like from the farms that was like willing to like put her life on the line to help battle and that felt kind of different than a lot of the other characters that are involved for other reasons like she has very, very little reason to be involved in this story. As like someone from out in the farms, it doesn't seem like her life is that impacted. Like other than she was like kidnapped. Like after that, like she could have just gone home and lived like kind of a quiet life, but she chose to hang with the group, and that struck me as really cool. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I also always thought her class was really cool that um, in a lot of Fire Emblem games, you fight against these just soldier class guys with spears. Um, And I think this might be the first one that lets you have one of those soldier classes on your team. Mm -hmm. So I I really appreciated that. I guess that brings us to my fourth pick. And for that, I think I got to go Ranulf. Really? Okay. Yeah, just... um, He's just so noble, you know, Um, just the way that he handles things. I really like, Um, especially uh, 
if you remember in I, I forget what the port is called, but um at one point it gets revealed that he's a Laguz in the middle of this city. And the townspeople whom he's been fighting to save um start attacking him physically because he's a Laguz and they're racist people. And so they're they're fighting him for that reason. And Ike raises his hand to try and stop them. And Ranulf stops Ike and says, well, they just don't know any better. So please, please do not hurt them. Like, they, they're just doing the best they can. They're just people and they don't know any better. And that just touched me so much that he would be so noble doing that. Uh, it just was really emotionally moving to me. Um, and then just his loyalty to his friends um, and loyalty to... Uh, justice, I guess, that he was even willing to defend these people knowing how they felt um, and knowing that they would never appreciate the the sacrifices that he's making for them. Mm-hmm. I definitely thought he was a cool character. He's not on my top five list. He's on, he'd probably be in my top ten. I just remember being kind of disappointed when you finally get to play as him because it felt like he was kind of a step behind everybody else at that point, so it was kind of hard yeah. to just justify him being in your lineup. Yeah, I always try to make room for him, though. <laughs> <laughs> but I totally agree that he he's a great character. And his loyalty and his awesome, like, ski hat. Yes. Are, like, definitely to be rivaled. Um, all right, so do you want to give your number four pick? Yes. Um, my number four pick is actually Khalil. Khalil? Khalil. Mm, okay, yeah, I think it's Khalil. Like, pretty lady sort of character who is, like, actually, like, a country bumpkin, like, Nafini, definitely, like, wearing the, like, oh, yes, I'm a high-society person, like, <laughs> like, I have all these other options of, like, what I could be doing, but, like, I guess I'll help, like, lend my great strength to you. I just thought that was, like, a really funny, great touch. Yeah, that... I, I think so, too. She's definitely not my top five, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was more just like I wasn't expecting it and it just pops in and he's like such a narcissist and like we all know people like that that are just like very into themselves mm-hmm. <laughs> that like just think the world is like blessed to have them and I just thought For that sure. was like a, a super fun surprise that we should be so honored that she'd join our team. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> What's your number five? Uh, for my number five, I was tempted to go har. But I think I have to go Titania. Really? Yeah. She is just, she's another in that category of like, in terms of stats to greatest Fire Emblem character there is because she starts good. And normally you start with in Fire Emblem with a uh, archetype called the Jagan, named after the very first character that uh, filled that archetype. And that's a paladin that you start with that eventually falls off really hard. And you're supposed to kind of use them to help you get through uh, early challenges and then kind of wean yourself off them. Um, But she never goes bad. She stays good the entire time. She's another one of the the broken characters like Seth. Yeah, she she really is. Um, And I know that we're not picking these characters based on stats, um, but I think that it's also kind of her personality that she is strong all the time and i really like that um spoiler again big spoiler after your father dies um there's this great scene where ike 
is looking in on Titanian. He doesn't she doesn't know that he's doing that. And she's like off by herself, like crying about it and missing him. It, it's just that rare moment of vulnerability um, that she has that nobody else gets to see. Um, and as far as she knows, nobody sees. But I just really appreciate how she's just strong all the time and she she does her best to sort of lead uh lead everybody and be this amazing example um of a knight who is under Ike's command, even though a lot of the time she she kind of lets Ike take credit, but she really guides him a lot of the time too. And so I, I just think that she's totally indispensable for so many reasons. I, I would agree with that. That she she is a great character as well. I think I'm really conflicted on my number five, but I think I have to I have to go with my heart on this one. I think my number five is probably Oscar. And if you follow my Twitter all, at all, you'll know that like I tweeted a lot about Oscar. <laughs> I do remember that. Um, I just he's the happiest looking character I've ever seen. He never seems to be sad. He seems like a good older brother to Boyd and Rolf. So his supports with Kiernan are just really funny and bizarre. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that Kiernan's like, you're my rival. And Oscar's like, OK, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I thought that was a lot of fun that they played with that. And I just thought he was a fun character to have on my team. He is. Um, did you get the triangle attack thing going or did you know about that? I did know about that. Um, I, I used it a fair amount. Not mm. always. Sometimes you obviously can't. But generally, yeah. I, I tried to follow it just because it is the the way that it works attack wise. Um, I think I played on easy. I tend to play games on easy the first time just to kind of get the feel for it. And I tend to enjoy the story more if I'm not getting annoyed by like like hard setting things. Like sometimes it seems like some hard modes make it borderline impossible oh my gosh um the hardest mode they actually cut out of this game because oh. it came Sweet. out in japan it was called maddening mode and uh you can find some of the fire emblem youtubers on youtube obviously um playing maddening mode um i know the youtuber i think mangs did uh, a playthrough of it and it's just insane it is not fun at all and he he tell I, I did watch his playthrough and he does say as much like the way that they made maddening mode work was they just cranked everybody's uh all the enemy stats up to a ridiculous amount and then there's just a ton more of them and so uh at the end of the game you know i guess the chat was like well give us your thoughts on it and he was like I think that the Japanese developers removed it for the American release because they just realized it wasn't fun. <laughs> you're, you're spending so much time just hitting that end button to end your turn and wait while people rush forward like foot soldiers and attack Gaitry or attack uh, Ike. And you just wait for them to you know run to their deaths because no there's no way to train up your other people <laughs> um so it yeah you don't need to play like it's fun as a challenge uh if you're really familiar with a uh srpg i think but i i don't know that it's ever great to just start on whatever the highest difficulty is I, th I think unless that's your thing and you're just a glutton for punishment and you like dark souls and that kind of thing but if that's not you i, I think daniel's definitely on to something with um just just worry about playing it and having fun yeah um, i think that it can kill my interest in the story if i get bogged down on something particularly in like the fire emblem games when there's like like an arrow like a bow launcher when you play on like the harder modes they can like take out half your squad by the time you even reach the battle mm, yeah 
I, I don't like those that much. I, I like them in concept, um, but in execution, a lot of the times it is just, okay, so strategically, I'm going to put Titania on the front line, and I'm going to end my turn five times, and that's going to run out your ammo, and then I'll go ahead and keep moving. And yeah. it's like, did that really add to the game? Really? Like, it, not not really. It just made me wait five more turns. Well, let's hop to break, and then when we come back, we'll hit some of the people we missed. Sounds good. All right, we'll be right back, everybody. Bye. Bye. Jake, have you ever been looking for a definitive Nintendo ranking and can't seem to find it because it's just everybody's own opinion? Honestly, all the time, Sam. Well, I'm looking for someone to give us the answers. Wait, you mean like a podcast made by two young, handsome men where they create a definitive top five list of all things Nintendo? Should we just do it ourselves? Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Let's give it a shot. I'm Sam. And I'm Jake. And at Top 5 Nintendo, I'm going to give you my top five list. And I'm going to give you my top five list. And then we're going to duke it out and see what the real top five is. Hi, I'm Ryan. And I'm Mike. And And we we are are brothers-in-law. We both love beer and are amateur homebrewers. Wait, so does that make us... Brothers-in-law? (laughs) I believe so. Every episode, we will talk about aspects of beer and homebrewing. But nothing super technical because we're learning this too. So join us as we sit down together and dive into something beer-related. Whether it's a little field research, tasting a certain beer style, or beers from a specific brewery. Talk about our experiences brewing beer at home, including our own solo brews, as well as themed competitions we'll set up along the way. We will also talk about some of our favorite aspects of brewing, like hops, extra ingredients, building our brew cave, and more. And of course, our own misadventures that have happened along the way. So, if you like beer, are home brewing already, or if you have an interest in home brewing and don't know where to start, join us on Brewers in Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at Brewers in Law and check out our website, BrewersinLaw.com. Cheers. Cheers. All right, we are back from our break. And as we promised in part one, we are going to give our little tweet summaries of the some of the characters we didn't hit on so looking at my list we're starting with boyd uh yep we are um (laughs) i've i've taken boyd to the end i've played through this game a bunch of times um sometimes by myself sometimes with friends um i usually make boyd a warrior and sometimes i've taken him to the end and had a lot of success and sometimes i've had him fall off and get uh rng screwed and he just really doesn't get good stats so where where are you on boyd uh i lost boyd a couple battles in so um again i'll remind our listeners of my play style i tend to not reset too often i've gotten a little uh better about it as i've been playing more of these because i've fallen in love with the characters and get too disappointed that I'd have to continue without them to restart. But uh, at the start of this game, I did not reset very much. So I lost some of our our key players early. So uh, Boyd Boyd and actually Reese as our next one are two characters I didn't get to really know. So on future playthroughs, I'm going to try to focus on the ones that I either didn't get or um, 
lost too early. Uh, I hear a lot of people call him Reese, but I've, I've always said Rise, and I have no idea what's right. Rise, the the priest you get at the start, um, I've never taken him to the end. He pretty much always gets benched for me as soon as the the roster fills up enough. <laughs> totally fair. I, I think I lost him in the first battle he appeared in, actually. I yeah, think I think I've had that happen before, too. Sometimes, like... I'll reset and with like one of like the one hit characters and I'll lose him again. And I'm like, okay, I can't, can't just keep resetting to make sure he survives the, the fight. Yeah. Um, my first time I played this because I didn't know anything about fire emblem. Um, I actually did play the same way that you did without, uh, resetting and stuff. And I was actually not, was I, I think I actually did eventually beat it, but I got really stuck in a serene's forest. Um, and I know veterans will know exactly the level I'm talking about. Um, that like three part level or four part level. Man, I hated that. (laughs) Yeah. I, I love hate it. Like I love it because it's different and really interesting. I hate it because every time I'm coming up to it, I'm like, oh, man. Um, And if you haven't played the game, what we're talking about is just in Serene's Forest, this place you go to, you get to a a chapter, um, like a level, and it takes place on a really, really massive map. But you only play on like a fourth or a third of it at a time. And after you finish that section, whatever the objective is, you'll get uh, like some cutscenes, some dialogue. And then it moves you to the next part of the map and you get to redeploy and stuff. But um, you don't get to go back to buy anything like you, you can't go back to base. So everything that you got with you is just what you got. And if you want to, I don't think you get to save. So if you lose somebody or something in like part four, you got to go back to part one. I, oh. I wanted to talk a little about that. Him and Gaytree together leave. Um, and I thought that was really fascinating. They they don't trust in Ike's leadership when his father dies, and they just leave. And I was like, that's different. Um, were you able to recruit uh, both of them back? So I got Gotri back, but I had lost Rolf, ah. who was a key to bringing back Shinon. I did not get him again. Because you said um, before this episode that you missed some characters, so I'm curious when we get to them who you end up missing. Gaytree is like the best knight slash general, I think, in the entire series. He's outstanding as a unit. Mm-hmm. Um, some might call him an absolute unit. Yeah, a tank. In meme in meme speak, but yeah. My favorite support, too, with Gaytree is, uh, I think it's talking with Sh- uh, Shinon, and Shinon's talking about how bad he is with money. And Gaytree says, like, well, I, I just had to buy it. The the salesman told me it's the ultimate shield. And Shinon's like, you bought a castle gate to wear on your arm. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, but see, nobody's going to get through it. And that just cracked me up. <laughs> um, do you have any more thoughts on Gaytree? I, I don't have other than super useful character to have. Kind of like a, your your airhead jock type. But the next person on the list, Soren, is actually where I started to change my rule about resetting a little bit. So mm. I tweeted my my playthrough about this, not obsessively so. So hopefully I didn't like annoy any followers or anything. I, I really enjoyed your tweets about it. So I was, I was kind of like stream of consciousness tweeting thoughts about this. And my gut reaction was I hated Soren. I thought he was kind of like a weird a weirdo. But uh, someone had like tweeted at me that he uh, he was super disappointed that because it's one of his favorite characters. So I was like, 
All right, as a favor to you, I will reset and bring him back and use him. I was super glad that I did because he's such a great, unique character with kind of a lot of levels. And his loyalty to Ike is a pretty big deal in both the first game and the second game. So special shout out to Kennedy Clark for telling me to go back and bring him back to not give up so early and jump to opinions on someone based on like one hour of gameplay. Yeah, and I get that why he comes off that way, because at the start, he seems very cold, mm-hmm. I think. He uh, just is very distant and doesn't trust anybody, and that really comes across as uh, him being very pessimistic, I think. Great magic user, very useful to have on the field, especially with birds. Oh yeah, because he's your wind mage, if you haven't played, and wind is super effective on birds. So great character to have on the team. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't have anything to add. So, um, other, uh, Well, I guess I lied. Um, my first playthrough, though, uh, I also lost Soren um, in the chapter he joined. And I've taken him to the end now. But, um, yeah, it was weird to me that he's like a cripple the rest of the game if you lose him because <laughs> he doesn't die. He just yeah. won't fight with you ever again. Um, but, yeah, that brings us to Mia. Um, Mia, I, I don't have a ton of thoughts on Mia. Um, she's really hard to get good because she just is really, really squishy early on. Um But she kind of, it seems like, has a thing for Ike, and uh, her personality is pretty fun because she's pretty bubbly, and um, I definitely enjoy her personality and her being around, but as a unit, I don't think she's anything remarkable. Yeah, I don't really have any thoughts on her. Just I think I lost her pretty early, and it didn't feel like it was worth resetting. It's kind of where it boiled down to. Our next character on the list, and I'll probably butcher the Ileana, I thought she was a really fun character. I love that like her whole personality is like being hungry. I thought that was funny. And I thought it was like a unique way that she joins you, that she was with traveling merchants and then sort of fights alongside you. Yeah, she's also the first character that um, in this game that is on the enemy team. So that was really something when this was my first, like I said, this was my first Fire Emblem game. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a fighting game. (laughs) (laughs) So it was really interesting to have only played Shining Force in this genre before and then see a unique character on the enemy team. And I was like, what do I do with that? (laughs) Um, And I think I did eventually. I was like, maybe, you know, it was pretty intuitive. I was like, maybe I need to put like Ike next to her or something like maybe that does something. And then when I put him next to her, it has like the talk option. And I was like, what's what is this? And so you do it and then she joins you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. But she's Um, actually a pretty strong. She uses electric magic and she's actually a pretty strong unit. Yeah, she can definitely be really good. Um, I don't use her too much because, again, I I think she's another one that you you definitely have to if if you want to use Ilyana, sort of like if you want to use Mia or Soren, for that matter, um, you really need to go out of your way to feed them kill early to get them to that point where they can be a little more self-sufficient um but until then you're going to be babysitting them to make sure they don't die (laughs) which i think is actually a pretty good segue into (laughs) we'll kind of lump them together because they have kind of similar ilk about them i think in my head anyway is mist and rolf so mist is ike's younger sister and rolf is the related through i think is it mother to boyd and Oscar? Uh, yeah, Rolf is uh, Boyd and Oscar's youngest brother. Yes, but not... It's it's just on, like, the it, the dad or the mom's side. Oh, is it? I, I wasn't aware of that. I think they... It's the same father. 
There's there's some support about this that I'm forgetting. I don't know if I've seen that one. Because in the second game, mild spoilers, I guess, there there's an interaction. He meets his birth mother, mm. and she begs him, Rolf, to come home with her. And Boyd and Oscar don't want him to go, and he decides to stay with them in, in Radiant Dawn. As, as far as Path of Radiance is concerned, we can get more into that in the, in the Radiant Dawn episode, but... I lost him and missed in that first battle they appear in. I wasn't oh. able, wasn't able to defend them, and it felt like it wasn't worth trying. I know that they get super strong if you continue to build with them, and I do want to go back and do a play playthrough where I use just the Grail mercenary characters. But uh, yeah, I lost them pretty early on, so I don't have too much to say about them as far as Path of Radiance is concerned. Um, in terms of building, I actually. It really depends. Um, I've done a playthrough where I carried Rolf to the end, and he got absolutely amazing. Um, but then I tried to do that in a more recent playthrough, and it just wasn't the case at all. And so doing some research, it seemed like I got really lucky the first time. Um, it seems like Rolf is actually not typically that good, even if you really you grow him. It's kind of same with Mist. Mist's stats never get really good, but she's a healer on a horse if you promote her, and that gives her a lot of utility outside of anything else. Just being a healer on a horse is really nice. Um, and there's also that battle where you have to use only Ike and Mist, and so it's nice if she can provide at least a tiny bit of support to him. So that brings us to... Uh, I always say Marcia, but um, it seems like most people say Marcia. Marcia, um, Marcia, 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 Marcia. <laughs> your first Pegasus Knight. Um, what, what did you think about her? Um, I believe she was one hit the turn after I recruited her. So oh my gosh. I have like very horrible luck. And actually, um, our, our next person on the list, I have a story for that as well. But... Um, so she was one hit, so I don't have too much of an opinion on her for this game. So with Pegasus Knights, I tend to not have like a lot of luck with them, so I tend to avoid them like the plague. I just feel like I can't keep them alive for anything. The risk outweighs the benefit, so mm. I actually don't tend to ever bring any Pegasus Knights with me in any, in any of these kind of games, actually, just because I feel like... They get hit so easily, and there actually is an exception on this list, which I think if more Pegasus Knights had that exception, which we'll get to, um, it would be far more bearable. Yeah, um, I actually have carried Marcia to the end at least once, um, and I don't normally use Pegasus Knights for the exact same reason, but it was that very first playthrough I did. Um, she ended up being really, really integral, and I got her promoted to like a Falcon Knight, and then her defense actually blossomed into something that she could take a hit. So that was really nice. Um, and I know, too, um, I've watched speedruns of Path of Radiance before. I have mixed feelings about speedrunning an ERPG. I just don't think the genre lends itself to it very well. But if you ever want to speedrun Path of Radiance or watch the uh, speedrun of it, um, I think the speedrunner that I've watched is Kirby Master. His entire strat involves using Marcia the entire game once you get her. He, he uses her to like skip over entire levels and just assassinate bosses and then move on. And it's it's pretty it's a pretty fascinating watch and how he takes this, you know, 20, 30 hour RPG and maybe maybe even longer than that and really trivializes all of it around Marcia and beats it really fairly quickly. So next character on the list is Lath. Uh, I have the internet to blame for this this one. 
So when you first get her and Mordecai, they're NPCs that are on they're on your side, but you're not really able to control them too too well. Yeah, you can issue them like weird orders and like go here, but like relatively here, and they kind of have a mind of their own. <laughs> I had looked it up because I wanted to make sure that I'd be able to recruit them if they were to die. And the internet told me that if they died as NPCs, they'd still be available to you at the end of the fight. So I proceeded through the entire fight after she died, thinking that I'd be okay to get them back. That is not the case. So if you have any NPCs that are on your side that appear to be recruitable characters, do not continue without them. Yeah, I I was not even aware I wasn't sure what would happen. Usually I think um, I just order them to go run off to a corner somewhere because take uh, experience. Mm-hmm. So I, I just try to uh, not let them get kills and take experience away in that level. Um, but I've I've taken her to the end before too. Um, and that's that's worked out pretty well for me. She gets decent defense, can take a hit, and she's really dodgy. So I wanted to have her pretty bad. Oh. Turns out not everything on the internet is true tragic <laughs> so you you didn't get mordecai either then no i did get mordecai he sur- oh. he survived the battle but um that was actually my first time playing a game with that mechanic in it um i don't even know that many of the other fire emblems have that so it's definitely different yeah so i didn't really understand what the order in the direct was and honestly having played through the entire thing i'm still not 100 percent sure how that all works but so kind of screwed by the mechanics there. But I did have Mordecai, and I he was in my end team. Mm, he has been for me, too. Because he, he is a very strong character. And he actually, he's an interesting character to follow along. Very gentle, does, gentle giant. Gentle giant, which is always like kind of like a fun, a fun trope character to have on your team. Very innocent. Yeah, I don't have a ton more to say about him um, other than I like his... Uh, how he kind of guides Ike in, in, into the world of the Lagoos. And it, 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 whereas Leith is like very cold to Ike and is like, yeah, of course things are this way. Uh, Mordecai is a lot more understanding and explains a lot to uh, Ike and the heroes. And I, I always thought that was really neat. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like when like trying or like meeting new people, like having someone open the door for you is like a way easier way to get involved in things. Mm-hmm. Um, Volk. I've only Volk. carried him to the end once, and it was difficult uh, because he promotes in a weird way that I totally wasn't ready for the first time. I thought he was a great character as far as like his part of the story goes. Same. Um, so he almost made it to my top five just because I think it's like a unique, pretty unique character amongst the story. Knows way, way, way more than he's saying, but you really don't even get it until the end. Um, Kiernan I thought was a fun character. I feel like he kind of like levels off and isn't very useful after a couple of battles. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to keep him in, in that end game. Uh, I've carried him to the end once and he always wanted to be as good as Oscar and never was. <laughs> yep, exactly. Brom didn't care for him. Felt like his movement was kind of low and then he didn't just strike me as that interesting of a character. Yeah, um... I've carried him to the end two or three times. Um, and the first time was actually that very first time I played. He carried me to the end because I got to that Serene's Forest arc and he was it. He was all I had that could take a hit. Because also in, when I first when I was really young playing these games, sh- same with Shining Force, 
Um, I, I saw that the main character, if they died, it was game over. Don't use the main character was how I took that. So I was not even using Ike. I was like babysitting Ike the entire time like you would Mr. Rolf. So that was really <laughs> difficult. And Brom saw me through. So always appreciate that. We already talked about Nephany quite a bit. So we, I think we can skip her to Zyhark. I didn't uh, say too much about Zyhark. Um, I love his personality thing. It's interesting that he was like sort of married to a Laguz. Uh, I, I, they might have just been girlfriend, boyfriend, but they were definitely committed. And uh, he's like, you, you meet all these humans that are super racist to the Laguz. And then you have this guy that uh, has fallen in love with one. And it's a pretty stark contrast, but you've really got to do some supports and pry to get that out of him as well um, to get his reasons for fighting with you, because that is a really big reason that he feels that you can help um, heal the wound between the Bjorks, the humans, uh, and the Lagoos. Um, so that's why he fights with you. So as a character, really like him. As a unit, you have to babysit him as well, but not nearly as much as some of the others, and he can become a really good swordsmaster, I think. I liked his character. I thought his sort of character arc was butchered in the second game, but that's sort of the second game. Uh, <laughs> All right. Sothi, or Sooth, how do you Soth. say that? Soth. Uh, died first battle, never really got a chance. I thought he was really interesting. Um, I actually tried at one point, uh, probably my second playthrough, I think, I tried to carry him to the end. You can't really do it. I used all the bonus experience I had to level him to 20, um, and then he doesn't promote, and there's no way to get him to promote in this game. Um, so he's just like Volk, except inferior in every way, and that made me sad because I thought he was really neat. Um, but I thought his introduction was neat, that he's a stowaway, and that he's looking for someone, and that's why he stowed away with you. And that that one interaction set up the entire sequel, I thought. <laughs> so really cool, but uh, only cool in the context of the second game. In just the first game, he doesn't really have much worth, I think. Uh, Jill, uh, Wyvern Rider, um, I lost her pretty quick. Jill is great as a unit. Um, I've used her several times all the way to the end. Um, Stat-wise, she's absolutely a monster, and um, she has something really unique about her that I'm guessing you didn't see since you lost her, but um, she has a really unique property about her in terms of any tactical strategy RPG. I've only ever seen it once, and it's with her, and that is um, she has a talk conversation during battle with her dad who you fight. Uh, her dad's name's Shaharam, and he's the boss of a map quite a bit after you recruit her. You, do you know anything about this, Daniel? Uh, yes, I did, I did okay. read a little about this. All right, so if you, if you do the talk command, usually in these kinds of games, um, that leads to recruitment. So I was like, oh, neat, you can recruit her dad if you use her to talk to him. No, he recruits her away from your side she will defect if she talks to her dad and i thought that was fascinating oh that is weird did you not know about that that i didn't know about i thought you were talking about something else oh yeah no it's it's a reverse recruitment the the enemy will recruit her to their side oh that would have annoyed the living daylights out of me <laughs> but isn't that cool though like just mechanically cool. focused on her as one of your strong characters and then it's like see ya uh, yeah, I would probably just reset at that point. <laughs> I know, right? Man. Uh, Astrid lost her first battle. 
Mm. I, I carried her to the end before as well. She was uh, not ever very good, but she seemed pretty interesting to me to be a bow user on a horse. I just thought that was really interesting, and I like archers a lot in games like this, so I really wanted to try using her, and it just didn't go that well. As a character, I don't think she's that interesting. I barely remember anything about her. Um, I think she's like a princess or something. Uh, eh. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, Makalov wasn't able to recruit him. He's one of the ones I legitimately missed, and yes. that's because I obviously didn't have Marsha to talk to him. So Marsha and Makalov are brother and sister. Yeah, Makalov is the, I, I want to say, the least popular character in this game. One of the least popular characters in all of the series. Do you know why, or do you know anything about that? So I know that he's kind of like a layabout um I believe he's an alcoholic, if I remember right. Um, gambling addict. Gambling addict, that's what it was. I knew it was a vice, I just couldn't remember what vice it happened to be. But people talk about um, that there's... Char- I'm still interested in him as a character, and because people talk about in supports and things in games like this, you're looking for character growth. And there are times, uh, there's certain supports Makalov has where he like has character regression and he drags others down with him. like his his gambling addiction is getting worse and other characters enable him and he drags them down and then they start getting in more trouble and so i thought that was really interesting to see instead of character growth and him coming into his own and becoming a fine knight it's like no he actually is not a really good person (laughs) and he doesn't really have any desire to be so i think that's really interesting um i like his design i like the color pink a lot um, cause I said purple before is my favorite pink's pretty close. Um, I don't think I've ever carried him to the end though. I obviously didn't. Uh, so we talked a lot of Tormod and Maorim already. Yes. Uh, I, I, and just to say, I've carried Morim to the end more, more aptly. He carried me to the end cause he's really good and I've never used Tormod seriously. So can't speak to that. So Stefan, I missed, I knew he was in the desert. I can't imagine uh, how you missed him. <laughs> I, I got his sword. I'm kidding. I knew to be looking out for it from talking with people on Twitter about it. Um, mm-hmm. I just didn't, didn't happen to do the exact right thing I was supposed to do, so I missed him. Does, it doesn't feel like that big of a loss, having kind of done done my reading about it. I've, I've used Stefan a couple times. I, I really like him. I really like the Swordsmaster class, um, and I like that he has kind of unique uh art for his character like the little coat he has on and everything like um all of that is shown in his like actual battle uh animations and i really appreciated that stefan as well as jill like has a a really interesting recruitment thing i think in that it is one of the most obtuse out of the way recruitments in any game i've ever played and the way that you do it is there's a giant desert map and you need to take either mordecai or leaf and you go stand at like the top right corner of the map and just wait there and he he will show up and talk to them um and if you do it with somebody other than them then he just shows up and gives you a sword there's really no indication that you need to be over there um there it's like a little out of the way bit of the map and there's like a little tree over there or something and i think it's the only time that tree shows up in the game so like that is the only hint you have if you have not been spoiled on it that there is something weird over there go look at it but it's it's really really difficult if you're going in totally blind dev dan i did not get him either i oh because you didn't have Rolf and mist yeah tormod might work actually i'm not sure 
I, I don't think I've used him too much before. I did a little bit. Um, he's he's a pretty middle-of-the-road unit. The next uh, person on our list to keep going is Tanith. And I thought Tanith was awesome in that she could summon three other Pegasus Knights up to three times. You could have your army going, and then you could summon nine Pegasus Knights to kind of be on the battlefield, which I thought was super cool as far as strategy goes. And I was able to keep her on my team because I could kind of build a shield around her. Same. Uh, I used Hanif in not every playthrough. She's not like a staple for me. Definitely when I want to do something fun and just mess around, the the Pegasus Knights are super unique. And I love that she can summon them and do weird stuff with them. And it's not the most practical because they do take experience from you. But yeah, it's just fun to play with. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, racing. I wasn't a big racing fan. Like mm. I feel bad for the them being like borderline eliminated, but it just didn't strike me as a very like interesting character. Uh, I kind of like Grayson in that he is angry, but he's also from like this super graceful race of heron people. So I, I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah. I also thought it was interesting that um, Fire Emblem has the dancer class, which uh, lets one of your units move again. And Grayson is the best dancer in the entire franchise because he can not only dance for one person and let them move again, but when he's transformed into his heron form, he can dance for four people and give four of your units an extra move, um, which is just the most broken thing. Uh, but it's really, really fun to mess with. Um, that's that's about all I got for racing. Uh, we'll combine the next two. Uh, yep. Janiv and Olki, um, two bird characters available to you. Um, I liked Janif, thought it seemed kind of playful and fun character. The other, Ulki seemed like the guy from Green Day, which I thought was kind of fun <laughs> in its own unique sort of way. But kind of subpar units at the point where you get to actually use them. I've I've used them too and found both to be very middle of the road as well. They're just eh. Yep, they're fine. Um, Janaf has some great supports with uh, Shinon though, and Shinon being like super aggressive to Janaf, and Janaf is just super. Uh, I I can't remember. I think he gets a little bit aggressive back, and they have this kind of rivalry, but um, they end up learning to kind of respect each other, and that's a big deal for both of them. In one not liking Lagoos and the other not liking humans, so I, I liked their dynamic. Yes, uh, Terranio. Terranio. Fine character. I used him till the end just because he had that kind of like tank quality that's useful to have. He like a fun character to use, but functions as like a wall unit pretty well. Yeah, I like his design too a lot. Like the uh, white armor, um, I think it really stands out. Um, maybe it's not white, like off white. I, I really like the way he looks on the battlefield. Kind of uh, stands out amongst all the browns and grays. Um, Har, uh, I didn't get Har because I lost Jill. Um, Har is absolutely amazing, beast of a unit, and I use him uh, sometimes, um, not every time. Uh, it's just cool to fly around as a guy with an eye patch and giant axe and a dragon. Like it's just fun. Bastion, Lucia, and Jeffrey are all Elsinea's. Um... Elsinea <laughs> <laughs> uh, are her um, her kind of like grooms people, like her court, so to speak. Yeah, um, I think it's something explored in the later games, more like Fire Emblem Fates. Um, I would call them her retainers, um, sort of her personal retinue of people that get things done for her. Bastion um, kind of reminded me of Frasier 
for anyone who knows that show. <laughs> I can understand that. Um, in like a high class individual. He is who Khalil wants to be. That's actually a great way to put that. Um, Lucia didn't really, really leave much of an impact. Kind of same. I, I already had Zyhark and Stefan at this point for Swordsmasters, so you giving me another one that's behind both of them is just not that appealing. Yep. Jeffrey, though, was an, a great character. I thought it was awesome that you could bounce between bows and lances or spears, so I really appreciated getting him. I don't have too much to add for him. He's... Okay. Um, I, I kind of had uh, Gatry, Terranio, and Titania already filling that role, um, so I mm-hmm. haven't used them very much. Yep. And by that role, I mean guy that can ride into a, a wave of enemies and not die. Um, next up is Largo. Um, I thought Largo was a fun character. I liked his interactions with Maurim. Muscle guys, like being muscle guys. <laughs> um, I've never really used Largo. I've never taken him to the end, so... I don't have too much to say about him, though it's interesting you can play as a Berserker. That's not, um, it's not the only game you can do that in, but there's not a ton that you can. Alencia, I like that she has her own sword. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's like the Avanti or something, or Avati. Uh, I I should just... That sounds right. Um, I like unbreakable swords, and it makes things feel special. But she's definitely behind when you get her, even though I think she can use uh, staves as well. Um, so she can heal and she's like a flying mounted healer, which is great. But you get her so late in the game that it's really hard, in my opinion, to get her caught up and really decently usable. And I know a lot of people use her anyway for plot reasons. And sometimes you have to. Yeah, I just don't think she's that great of a unit. So uh, the next two will combine for the sake of similarities is Nasir and Ina. Well, uh, sort of. it's sort of weird to combine them because you can only get one. Yep. <laughs> um, so who did you get? I ended with Nasir. Sweet. He He's definitely agreed on as the better one, um, which I've seen some people think is interesting game design because if you can't get Nasir, if you're struggling that much, you need Nasir more. But the way that that happens, big, big spoilers, is Ike, uh, towards the end of the game, fights the Black Knight, and you can kill him or you cannot. If you kill him, you get Nasir. If you don't kill him, you get Enna. I thought that was super cool. Um, My first couple playthroughs, I ended up with Enna because my Ike just wasn't good enough. But now I've had a couple playthroughs where I've gotten Nasir as well, and I always carry either of them to the end because both, I think, are just super cool. Uh, is dragon people. I also thought it was super cool that Nasir is your boat captain at like the very, very beginning of the game. And I thought it was really cool to see it come full circle because immediately I was like, that guy looks really interesting. I bet he's important or something and like way more powerful than he lets on. And then as at the end of the game, it's like, yep, he was. Then the final level of the game, you get to summon one reinforcement and you get a choice between Tibarn, the king of the hawks, Nasala, the king of the crows, or Gifka, which is a the right-hand man of the Beast King, um, and he's the only lion in the game. So you get an, an, another hawk, your very first crow, or your first lion. Um, who did you choose? So I, since I had seen the sort of gameplay of the other two in battles throughout the game, I went with Gifka, but you don't get to see him in actual battle, so I picked him for my playthrough. Same, my, my first playthrough. And he's awesome, obviously. All three of them, you really can't go wrong. All three of them are really, really amazing. Um, I don't know who my main choice would be today. Yeah, I I really don't know. They're all awesome. Next playthrough of it, it will definitely be Nisela. Yeah, how much do you know about the trial map stuff? It seems like a lot of people don't know about that. I know nothing about the trial map stuff. 
Okay, so I figured I'd talk about that a little bit. So really interestingly, I think, um, and very poorly designed, I think, um, after you beat Path of Radiance, you unlock the ability to play through trial maps, um, which are just little challenge maps that you can do for fun. And they're, they're kind of fun to go through, um, but you can unlock new characters for use only in these trial maps. And so the, the unlock requirements just kind of are ridiculous. So I figured I'd just highlight what they are. Um, beat the whole game three times to unlock Oliver in the game, in the trial maps. Um, Oliver being the really creepy guy that wants the Herons, uh, the, like, bishop. I think that's his class. Um, five times, and you get Shiharam, which was Jill's father, and he's like a uh, wyvern knight. Um Seven times you get Patrine, which is uh, one of the writers of Dane. She's awesome, uh, uses a flame lance and is a paladin. She's just awesome. Ten times and you get Bryce, uh, who I forget who is totally. Um, I think he's another of the writers of Dane. What is his class? He's a general. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. He's, he's also one of the writers. And then the final one, you get Ashnard. And the way you get Ashnard is you beat the game 15 times all the way through to get Ashnard. Do I think that these are worthy rewards? Yes. I, I think that, that it's great or a great reward to let you play as some of the villains. I would put them on your team and let the like let you do new game plus with them and take them through the game or something. Like it doesn't have to make sense. I think that would make it a lot more worthwhile. And I think it's insane to ask you to beat how many hours did you spend on Path of Radiance? Do you know? Uh, probably like 40. Yeah, then I'd say that's about typical. And so let's say that you know the game a lot better and you struggle a lot less and you don't need to read quite so close. So maybe you spend 30, 35 hours. I think that's realistic. But you're telling you're you're expecting players to take to spend 30 to 35 hours in your RPG 15 times to get the final reward. I'm like, it's just insane. Like, I appreciate replayability. I appreciate rewards and things for you beating the game a certain number of times. But 15 just seems really, really ludicrous to me. Um, oh, there's no way on earth I would ever do that. Yeah, exactly. Like, no. I've, I've played this game so many times and I don't think i've even done it 15 times like no chance <laughs> it's just a long game it's a really big commitment to go through it all let alone for something that in my head isn't worth it yeah no um and it's one of those things that like i, I wanted to talk about it for here because so few people seem to know about it and it's no mystery as to why like any of your friends that happen to have the GameCube version, because like if you're playing on a ROM or something, you know, the files might get moved around, you, you know, but you don't care because after you've beaten it, if you're going to play through it again, nothing is really different. So who cares? Yeah. But like you, you would have to have somebody that you, you'd have to know someone that had the GameCube version of this. And already that's a big ass because not many of them were made. There's a reason it's $150 now. And then they have to have beaten the game 15, like so many times to even show you Ashnard. So I'm like, nobody had that friend that knew that was in the same 
like reading about this way back when it was in the same realm as people saying you can play as Sonic the Hedgehog in Super Smash Bros. Melee. Like it was that kind of thing because that's not true. But there were like doctored footage of it, you know, maybe or doctored screenshots uh, to try and convince you that's a thing. Um, even still, I, I went and looked back at it. There is still almost no gameplay of these trial maps using Ashnard on YouTube. Like, there, there's very, very little. So, like, nobody really does it. Um, even the big, fi like, the biggest Fire Emblem YouTubers, none of them have really done the trial maps with <laughs> Ashnard and stuff. And I, I, again, I get why, but at this point, just modify a ROM so you've beaten it 15 times and take it on, you know? Yeah, seriously. Um, it, it just really, like... I know I'm talking about this too long, but it really just blew me away that that is how you do that. And at, even after all this time to know that that was that, that is re a real thing. What else are we going to talk about? We said we'd talk about music a little bit. I thought it was great. Um, no, no complaints here. Yeah, I, I absolutely love the music and um, it's it's just great. I mean, most of the Fire Emblem music is great, but. I thought Path of Radiance had really, really nice music. Yeah, I tend to like kind of get a sense of it and then shut it off. But I, I did keep it on a lot longer than I normally do because I did feel like it added to the experience. Whereas sometimes it just feels like placeholder in some other games. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, I think we're running pretty long. So uh, what else is on your mind about this one? Sort of in closing, um, Path of Radiance is still up there with when it coupled with Radiant Dawn to be my second favorite game of all time. I could talk about this game all day, uh, and I appreciate you guys listening as long as you have. But um, I, I just think as a cohesive experience, uh, Path of Radiance is just such a great game to play through. Um, it's one I always recommend to people um, is their first Fire Emblem game. Um, despite it being more difficult than some of the later ones, it ju I just think the difficulty's worth it. I'm, and I'm not even a permadeath guy. I've said that on the, the show before as well. But it's just so worth it to, to play through and meet all of these amazing characters. And the subject matter that they tackle is, I think, really, really deep. And I think it's amazing that it's rated T even, because I'm like... I, I think that's an apt rating, but even for somebody that's 13, it just it just tackles some really, really big questions about sort of different cultures coexisting and what it means to be human and how all these different people uh, can learn to get along and come together for the greater good. Uh, I just think it is super important narratively, and I'm really, really hoping that... Um, I really don't need this to be a remaster or a remake or anything. It could be ported just exactly as it is. And I hope uh, it and Radiant Dawn get ported to Switch very, very soon so that more people can uh, experience it much easier. And that Nintendo will see, I know through like the uh, voting gauntlets for Fire Emblem Heroes, the mobile game, um, they've done several popularity polls, and Ike, I think, is the most popular character in all of Fire Emblem. And it's it's just not hard for me to understand why. Um, I know some people really don't like him, um, and I, I get why, too. It's like he's too naive. Um, it it's, gets ridiculous, whatever. But to me, Ike is just such a great character, and um, I'm excited for Nintendo to realize just how much of a gem this game was. So that's that's about my thoughts. What are what are your thoughts? 
So my thoughts are they did such a good job crafting a world and like building up the characters and history in it that it feels almost like it was like cut short. Like it feels like the way they kind of built this thing up. There was kind of a lot more story to be told. And I'm generally against this. So this is sort of me going off the cuff of what I normally am like. But I think a prequel to this could be very, very cool stuff happening before this story actually begins that if you wanted to make another game like a prequel game around playing as grail i feel like you could totally do that and you could have a lot of the same characters back just younger and i totally think that it would work because they're they built it out so well related to that that that's something i didn't mention the the world just feels very lived in already Yes. And that's something that's really important to me is that when the character checks in or I'm sorry, when the player or, you know, the uh, the reader or whatever it is, whatever you're doing for a story, whenever you check in, it really bothers me when it feels like, all right, the world started when you checked in, like nothing of consequence has happened yet. And you're here for the first thing of consequence. I really like starting in a story where it feels like the world has already been in motion and there is already a history and important things have already happened that you weren't privy to like it just feels more real more realistic more relatable um that there's things in the past that are really important that you don't fully understand the context of because you weren't there Mm -hmm. and i think that's where the the prequel could work because i like how how radiant dawn ends like i wouldn't want another story that way Mm because i feel like radiant dawn ends really well but the world would lend itself to a prequel really well yeah, I think it would. Um, I don't think it's totally necessary either, but if you wanted to do one, you absolutely could. And you would never get me objecting to another game or it almost feels like novels could be written in this world, too. Yeah, there's enough there's enough open thread there that you could. There's just I a think- lot of lore like you could you could just do a story about some Lagoos uh, rogues that were off doing something or um the people of Dane during this time. Like, I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. Guess to wrap it up, we should probably talk about the most important part of the game. And I can't believe we didn't get to this sooner, but there actually is a character named Daniel. Oh, yes. He actually sort of looks like me in in some regards with like the darker hair and the blue eyes and stuff. Yeah, but he does. Incredibly important to the story. Um, definitely go back and find the Daniel character. <laughs> He's not playable, unfortunately. He's not. Um, unless you're playing the mobile game, and then he is. Is he really? Awesome. Uh, yeah, think... he was sort of memed into being playable, but yes. Oh, um, he, I think him and George might be together, His, him and his brother. If you play the trial map 45 times, you get you unlock Daniel. <laughs> yeah, so, source, <laughs> trust me, bro. <laughs> Anyway, all jokes aside, I loved playing this game. I had a lot of fun exploring it. It lived up to all the hype that Chris sold it on. Very oh, fun playthrough. I, I did have one other thing, and I can't believe I only got... To, I, I didn't talk about this earlier. The Black Knight is one of the coolest villains ever. Like... <laughs> Can, can I just acknowledge that for a second? Like, he, he's super mysterious in this game and you don't find a lot out a lot about him, and that's fine. Um, but when he shows up and you're just like, oh, maybe I can, like, no. No, he's going to kill you and you need to leave. Like, I, I just thought that was super cool. 
and his rivalry with Ike and stuff, like it's just so much fun. And he just ever forever made a lasting impression on me. Just as the this unstoppable force of nature that tries to come against you. Like I, I don't know. And his look is fantastic. His design is just fantastic. Definitely. And I'll have a lot more thoughts about him in the Radiant Dawn episode. Same. <laughs> um but i think uh we should probably wrap it up there before this ends up being a three-hour episode thank you everybody for coming back for season two uh i'm pretty excited about this season as we have some interesting and different stuff in store um we hope you'll keep listening um follow us on instagram at turn by turn podcast or on twitter at turn by turn pod Oh, I, I actually have socials to plug now. Oh, go, go. <laughs> yeah, super different. Um, you can find me at Chris underscore Harky on Instagram, or sorry, on Twitter. Um, don't have an Instagram still, um, but I'm on Twitter if you want to come talk to me about uh, anything, and I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, I don't know when this is going to go live from when we're recording it. I, I'll be keeping an eye out on that. And whenever it does go live, I'll be hanging around on the Turn by Turn uh, podcast Twitter as well um, to talk with you guys and answer any questions you have. So I'm super looking forward to that. And that's about all I got for you right now. Uh, definitely hit us up on our socials. Uh, rate and review the podcast would be absolutely awesome. Please. And <laughs> yes please it helps us out a lot <laughs> it does it pushes us up the algorithms lets people know we exist it is hugely grateful so until next time when we come talk about something else i'm daniel that's chris and we'll talk to you later bye bye, bye.